the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Every week, Josh will teach you ways to help manage, risk, and protect your retirement income in the new economy. The primary focus at Aptus Wealth is to provide flexible planning strategies that can efficiently achieve your long-term retirement goals. Hi, everybody. We're going to talk about interest rates today, how the Fed's raising rates affects you. But wanted to start with a gentle reminder that besides this show every weekend, you can also join Josh every Monday at 1230 for Money Mondays with Bruce Hooley right here on 98.9 The Answer. You can always find the recording at aptuswealth.com, Josh's website. And to schedule an appointment with Josh to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, when you say a headline that looks something like Fed raising rates next year, how will that actually impact our lives in the coming years? So the Fed raising rates has been a, a conversation that seems to be kind of getting some press here as of late. Uh, but first, what what does the Fed controlling rates even do for the economy? Because we don't really know what impact it will have on us unless we know what it even means. So the Fed has a lot of kind of tools in its tool bag that it can do to help either boost or slow down the growth of the economy. And one of those that we're all very well aware of is raising and lowering of interest rates. And we'll hear things like it's tightening the money supply or it's easing the money supply. And that's essentially what happens when the Fed – lowers rates, it makes money more accessible, cheaper uh, to member banks. And then when it raises rates, it makes money more expensive. Now, what does that mean to you? So if the Fed raises rates, does that mean that your interest rate on your mortgage is immediately going to go up by the exact same percentage as the Fed? No, not at all. But it does mean that if the Fed raises interest rates, that ultimately you going to the bank and getting a loan will get more expensive, maybe not directly correlated, but uh, certainly uh, in kind to some degree. So what does that mean for you? You know, I, I guess I think the question you posed was in the coming years. Well, it can have a, a significant impact on, well, we just rattled off one, and that's mortgage rates. It can have another impact, though, on things like bonds. Um, interest rates and bonds are inversely proportional. So as the Fed raises interest rates, uh, there is a correlation to a negative performance of bonds that need to be sold early. Let me explain what I mean by that. If you buy a bond, essentially you are loaning that company money. So if you buy a Coca-Cola bond, Coca-Cola is raising money for some improvement project, and they say, you give us $100,000, we'll pay you 4% in interest over the next 10 years, and then in 10 years we'll, get you your we'll give you your $100,000 back. 
Well, obviously, if you hold that $100,000 bond, you're going to continue to receive your 4% interest. But if you decide before the 10 years, I'd like to sell this bond because I need the money or I don't want to hold it for 10 years, et cetera, there's an opportunity. And the new Coca-Cola bonds, because interest rates went up, are selling for 5% or 6%. Well, then nobody's going to give you $100,000 for yours at 4 if they can get a new one at 5 So the challenge or something to be concerned about is knowing that bond funds are essentially buying all of these individual bonds on your behalf, and most people invest in bond funds rather than buying individual bonds. As people are coming and going in and out of the bond fund, there is a higher chance, a significant chance, that they will have to sell those bonds potentially at a loss. So bond funds only have two choices. We either hold more cash or limit the maturity to some capacity of our bonds that we purchase because the shorter the duration of the bond, the less the impact. Uh, But ultimately, what I'm saying here is bonds probably aren't the most favorable place to be if interest rates are in fact rising. So that poses an interesting challenge. We know that uh, we hear also at the same time inflation is a big deal. You know, the Fed is raising interest rates. That's going to drive up inflation as well because of all of the, you know, easing, quantitative easing and stimulus packages that we've pushed out over the last 18 to 24 months. So how do we keep up with inflation safely, knowing that the typical place for us to go is bonds, but interest rates and bonds are inversely proportional? And I just got done saying they're going to raise interest rates. Well, that's the challenge. So to answer your question in short, and hopefully we have some time to cover this in more detail, but as the Fed raises interest rates, it will have an impact on the entire economy, particularly mortgage rates, which could impact theoretically housing. Maybe we'll talk about that later. And then also safe money like bonds. It will have a negative impact on that as well. And there's a bunch of other things that can impact, but those would be the two that will be affecting most people most directly. When is the perfect time to buy bonds? Because now interest rates are too low, so bonds aren't a good idea, then interest rates are raising, so then that's not a good idea. What, what is the perfect scenario? Yeah, and, and bonds, I mean, to that note, bonds have been in a bull run for the last 40 years or so. If you think about it, interest rates have done nothing for the most part than go down over the last 40 years. Matter of fact, if you look over the last 20 years, shy of the last 18 months, um, you were almost better off, not almost, you were better off having uh, a 60-40 stock bond allocation than you were having pure, pure stocks. Because the bonds drastically saved you through 0102 and then again through 0809. And because interest rates steadily fell, uh, bonds performed really well. So you actually would have been better off from 2000 to 2020 owning some bonds than just having pure equities. But moving forward, that's going to be a challenge. So the question is, when's the perfect time to buy? The perfect time to buy is when interest rates get to a point where you believe that bonds will keep up with inflation. And that's the real problem. When we're looking at Social Security, considering raising their inflation by 5 to 6% for next year, the real inflation arguably being even more than that, uh, and you have bonds earning you know, 2 or 3%, you're eroding your cash purchasing power. So buying a bond is doing you no good whatsoever. So you have to come up with other strong, safe inflation hedges outside of bonds until bonds get back up into that 5 or 6 range. Uh, where you can safely combat inflation. So it's part of the three-legged stool. Of course. Yeah, we we definitely need to make sure that we have multiple streams of income, manage volatility, all the stuff that we talk about all the time, and, and we can get into a little bit more detail on what some of those options are uh, maybe in another segment. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. 
To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, you can give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. So you'd mentioned um, potentially rising interest rates impacting real estate and housing. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, well, if you think about it, nobody really pays cash for houses. I mean, well, now they do. Um, But in general, the vast majority of home buyers are not paying cash. They're going and getting a mortgage. And most of those home buyers are somewhat restricted in an amount that they can afford uh, by the payment, right? I mean, even if you go to get a mortgage, they say, what's your debt-to-income ratio? And what they're really trying to figure out is how much of a payment can you afford? And then based upon your payment, how much of a house will that payment afford? And that a payment is directly affected by interest rates. So if interest rates go up, then theoretically the amount of a house that somebody can afford will go down. And there's always a debate over... Well, if interest rates go up, won't that mean that it'll drive housing prices down? And in general, the answer to that is true. But we have a really weird anomaly right now, and that is that we have a huge housing shortage. Uh, last time I checked, it was about five and a half to six million dollar or six million, excuse me, homes short of what people want. So there are, you know, a bunch of people out there looking for a home. We just simply don't have enough of them. And we're obviously starting to build new housing starts. And Diane, you can probably lend some, in, lend some information to this as well. This is really your wheelhouse. But I don't believe that there's going to be a drastic uh, negative impact on housing. I do not believe that raising interest rates is going to uh, really shrink up housing. On top of that, we have an inflationary problem, which typically houses perform really well in inflationary times. So I think what will ultimately end up happening by raising interest rates is that it will, in fact, slow down the growth of the housing market, but I do not believe that it's going to reverse course. So hopefully, uh, new housing starts continue. We can keep up with demand and interest rates don't rise so quickly that if that demand is met, that we go the other direction. But it's going to take a number of years for that whole system to kind of catch up. So uh, moral of the story, uh, raising interest rates will make houses less affordable. But unfortunately, that does not necessarily mean that it's going to drive down houses So I don't necessarily say, you know, hold on tight and wait forever if you're looking to buy a house, because it doesn't look, at least by numbers, that the scenario is going to get any better anytime soon. And if the housing shortage didn't exist with interest rates increasing and affordability, people just get smaller houses. It doesn't deter them from buying altogether. Of course. I mean, you still need a place to live, right? You're either a renter or you're a buyer. But unfortunately, the level of house that they'll be able to afford will be affected. But um, again, I don't think that we're going to, this isn't 2008, 2009, I guess is my point. We're not, we're not under equitied as a population. We're not all in arm loans like we were. We didn't do no doc loans. I mean, the credibility of home buyers right now is just completely different. It's a completely different issue than it was in 2008, 2009. Let's talk about the Aptus blueprint process for new listeners, people that are just tuning in. Uh, you take a look at people's portfolios. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the important part is, you know, what are your objectives and goals? Um, so step one is we want to find out what you've been doing and what are your objectives and goals? And what have you been doing to save for those currently? Meaning uh, how much you're putting into your 401k? Are you doing investing outside of that? How are you invested? Um, what are, you know, potential inheritances, pensions, et cetera? Let's get the lay of the land in meeting number one. And all meeting number one is going to have is just a bunch of questions. In meeting number two, we called our analysis meeting. I'm going to analyze everything that you're currently doing and show you, is the arrow going to hit the target? In other words, if you keep doing what you're doing, are you going to reach the objectives that you told me you were striving for? 
And then also uh, through that meeting, we'll find some potential speed bumps along the road. Are, are taxes going to impact you? What's the impact of minimum required distributions? What about estate planning? What about the level of risk that you're taking and what impact could that have? Are you taking enough risk? So really pulling apart everything that you're doing currently and explaining to you how things like risk work, how things like taxes and Roth IRA conversions work. And then in meeting number three, we call it the blueprint, hence the blueprint uh, process. Uh, We will give you the blueprint on how to solve all of those issues. In other words, you know, do Roth IRA conversions make sense for you? Can you in fact retire comfortably? And uh, what changes specifically need to be made to really uh, make that ironclad? And then not until meeting number four, do we decide if this is a mutually beneficial relationship moving forward? So I can never guarantee that a client, we're going to be a perfect fit for a client. But what I can guarantee is through the process, you will certainly take away information with you that can be very beneficial and help you along the journey, regardless of whether or not uh, it's working with us or, or doing it yourself or working with somebody else. And what I love about your office is that you have, you deal a lot with people's taxes and considering their financial planning. Not only taxes, but also attorneys. As a matter of fact, I had a, a lunch last uh, last week with, a, with an attorney that we work with all the time that's with a very well-respected law firm here in town, and we're always doing that. We're always consulting with CPAs, attorneys, et cetera, and, and I actually owned a tax practice for the better part of a decade, and until we sold it, we just got so big on this side that... Uh, Sometimes you got to stick to your core competency, but we still do a lot of tax planning in-house and consulting with those um, around the city as well. Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That is 614-364-7300 to schedule your own appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process. You can also join Josh as he talks retirement every Monday at 1230 p.m. with Bruce Hooley. Call it Money Mondays right here on 98.9 The Answer. And the recording you can always find at aptuswealth.com. More with Josh Pick when we come back. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, give Josh a call. His phone number is 614-364-7300. That is 614-364-7300. Josh, what are some circumstances when you contribute the maximum to your 401k? When is that not the best thing to do? Oh, there's a whole host of reasons. Um, First, though, if your 401k has a match, It is very, very difficult under any circumstances to justify not contributing at least to the match. So what we're talking about here is reasons why you may not want to max out your 401k, meaning put in the maximum allotment that you can by the IRS standards. 
but this does not mean that you shouldn't at least invest up to the match. That's just free money. Um, and there's, there's really no credit card that we need to pay off. That's charging 50% interest or a hundred percent interest. So always put it up to the match and always try and, you know, knock out two birds with one stone. And what I mean by that is if you focus all of your efforts on paying off debt, then you never save any money. And if you focus all of your efforts on saving money and not paying off debt, then you never pay off your debt. So it's important to at least go up to the match, but reasons why you wouldn't want to contribute the maximum to your 401k. And, and I just said one of them, and that's paying off high interest debt. If you have a credit card that's charging you 20 or 22% in interest, and you're funding your 401k to the maximum so that you don't have to pay that credit card, I can't think of a scenario where that makes sense. You should aggressively pay off that credit card, at least do some tax planning along the way. So we want to make sure that we're not you know, jumping into a bracket where it doesn't make sense. But for the most part, good rule of thumb, High interest credit card debt versus your 401k. Pay off the high interest credit card debt after you've already matched your 401k up to the match. Second would be, you know that you're putting in the maximum into your 401k from a very young age and you plan on working to a ripe older age and you're going to have a huge balance in your 401k but your lifestyle does not require that and now you're going to have these huge minimum required distributions. And this is certainly a first world problem but minimum required distributions can be a huge challenge, particularly uh, when you don't know what the tax scenario is going to look like when you get there. And for those of you who don't know, minimum required distributions are the line in the tax code that says at a certain point, currently age 72, it used to be 70 and a half, now 72, and it looks like that might get kicked even further. But when you reach age 72, you have to take out approximately 4% from all of your pre-tax investments, 401k being one of them. You'd say, well, big deal. Uh, you know, I could use the money. Well, if you don't want the money or you have other sources, your 401k minimum required distribution is required, just like the name implies. And that could make you jump into a different tax bracket or take money in a year when taxes are really unfavorable to do so. You take the control away from yourself and you put it back into the hands of the IRS. So uh, making sure you have a reasonable balance between 401k, IRA, slash qualified accounts, Roth IRAs, and non-qualified accounts is important. Um, so getting that balance right. The other one is long-term care. So long-term care is a, is a big challenge, and it's, it's going to continually get to be a bigger and bigger challenge. Your ability to pivot and move money around when it's in a 401k to your benefit with long-term care goes away a lot when you have it all in a 401k. So you want to have flexibility to be able to move your assets around to your benefit in the event of long-term care. But on top of that, if you know you're going to have enough money for retirement already because we've done proper planning, you may want to purchase a long-term care policy with some of the money that you would have funded in your 401k that's not necessary. So there, there's a few reasons. One could be long-term care. The other could be just pure tax planning in the way of minimum required distributions. And the other one is making sure that you're not saving money and earning 10% when you could be using that money to pay off a debt that you already have that's charging you 20 or 24%. So there, there's uh, uh, many reasons. Those are three that I can think of off the top of my head. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, what is a target date fund and how can it be helpful part of a retirement plan? A target date fund is one that makes life very easy. So the, the pros are it's a set it and forget it kind of plan. 
if you've ever seen a plan or an investment option inside of your 401k or maybe in an IRA that says, you know, the 2050 fund or the 2045 fund or 2025 fund, those are all target date funds. And as the name implies, your target date would be the date that you plan on retiring. So if you're 30 years old and you plan on retiring when you're 60, that's 30 years from now, you'd want the 2050 fund approximately. And the good news about target date funds is once you put your money in there, they gradually tear back the risk as you get closer and closer to retirement. Obviously, your level of uh, volatility that you can assume, your level of risk that you can assume, the amount that you have in equities versus safe investments, quote unquote, uh, is a lot higher when you're 30 versus when you're 60. So it automatically tears those back. Those are the pros. The cons are, well, one would be make sure that you know the fees that are charged inside of your target date funds. But in general, they're within reason, uh, at least if you look at the, the big fund providers. But not everybody's equal. So, you know, not everybody wants the same level of risk. Just because you know you're going to retire in 2050 does not automatically mean that you're going to be comfortable with the allocation of the 2050 fund. Um, it doesn't automatically mean that you're going to be okay with the volatility that you might incur with the 2050 fund. So although they're a nice in regards to a one-size-fits-all approach, they're also a one-size-fits-all approach, which can, be, which can be a huge detriment. The other one that I think is, is pretty important, and we had talked just earlier about the risk associated with bonds, for the most part, target date funds have three options available. They have equities or stocks. Now, those equities and stocks are obviously diversified amongst big companies, small companies, international companies, et cetera. But the other two are simply just bonds and cash. And as you get closer and closer to retirement, so if you had the 2050 fund, as you get closer and closer to 2050, the equity allocation or the stock allocation starts to be replaced with the bond allocation and the cash allocation. Well, if you think about interest rates today, cash is essentially paying nothing, which is why they hold very little in the way of cash. But bonds are poised for not a very favorable run because of interest rates. Because remember, interest rates and bonds are inversely proportional. So what may end up happening with target date funds is as we enter into a period of volatility where bonds typically offset a decent portion of that volatility because they tend to be reasonably uncorrelated, meaning as stocks decline, bonds tend to do a little bit better, they might not do better to the tune of offsetting those losses because those bonds aren't really returning much. So the fear is that, or the concern that I have, is that target date funds as you get closer to retirement, will literally be dragging an anchor behind the boat, and that anchor will be called bonds, depending upon what the Fed starts to do with interest rates. And we might not know that the Fed's going to raise interest rates for sure, but I'm sure that we could all agree that it's very unlikely that the Fed is going to lower interest rates beyond where they are today because we're about as low as we can possibly go. So if you hold those bond funds, you're either going to be rewarded with really low interest rates, or you're going to be rewarded with potentially negative returns if interest rates start rising rapidly. So be cautious of target date funds moving forward over the next uh, 5, 10, 15 years. Do, are these kind of geared towards do-it-yourselfers, people who don't want to use a financial advisor? Yeah, well, they're geared towards that, and also they're huge inside of 401k plans. You know, they've really uh, gained prominence inside of company-sponsored plans. And the reason for that is they're very easy. And they maintain a lot of compliance and they satisfy fiduciary responsibility for your employer plan. Meaning, um, if you invest in the 2050 fund, it takes the onus of responsibility off your employer to say that 
you didn't offer them a plan that was geared directly towards them, meaning the option was available to them. But there are some, obviously, hiccups with these target date funds and that, you know, they are one size fits all and not everybody is one size. So speaking of uh, em- employer-sponsored plans or the 401k plans, so really you're at liberty, or not liberty, but it's up to your employer or whoever they hire to manage these funds, correct? Is there anything you can do as a employee to decide where, where your money goes within that? Well, the employer, um, or they're probably using what's called a, a third-party administrator um, and the employer combined determine what investments are available inside of your plan. And there was a time when there was a tremendous amount of investments available inside of 401k plans, but fiduciary responsibility uh, put the onus of responsibility back on the employer rather than the employee picking. So the employer started really narrowing the amount of choices available in most 401k plans. As an employee, do you have any uh, option to say, you know what, I'd really like to see this in my plan? Not really. Um, You have the choices that your employer allowed you to have. And that's what you get. You can pick amongst those choices, but that's what you get. You do have the option when you turn uh, 59 and a half for most employers, even though you're still working, you can do what's called an in-service rollover or an in-service distribution. And what that means is once you're over the age of 59 and a half, you can do a rollover out of your 401k into your own self-directed IRA. Now, there's reasons you would want to do this and reasons you might not want to do this. So make sure that you Uh, consult with a professional first like our office and make sure it makes sense for you. But that does then open up all of the investment options under the sun and you can invest any way you want. It does not prevent you from continuing to contribute to your 401k plan at work, continue to receive matches ongoing, but it does allow you the option to invest in whatever you choose with those vested dollars while you're still working. Have you seen really terrible people come in and they have just absolutely terrible 401k plans or for the most part, are they pretty good? So is your advice for people, get that free money, get that matching? Well, you always want to get the matching. So always contribute up to the match, regardless of what your 401k plan looks like, because there's no fee that's going to be in excess of the match. And I've never seen a plan that's so bad that it would preclude you from wanting to participate in it to get the match. Uh, I would say most large companies have pretty good 401ks, but I have noticed a trend uh, over the last five years or so, maybe even 10 years, where the amount of options are certainly narrowing. And there's also a problem in that, for the most part, 401ks are very, very good about offering equity options, maybe one or two bond offerings and a cash offering, and that's it. So as uh, employees get closer and closer to retirement, the options that they have available to them uh, in the area of safe options is very, very limited. Um, Now, when we get down to smaller 401k plans, yeah, I've seen some pretty bad ones. I've seen some very expensive plans that are are atrocious in the way of fees and administrative charges, et cetera, and have very, very few options. But for the most part, the big plans, big limiter, limiter is safe options as people get closer and closer to retirement that can accomplish what they want to accomplish. Josh's number is 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300. More with Josh Pick when we come back. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. 
To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptis Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptis Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptis Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptiswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300 or visit aptiswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptis Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptis Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Josh, worker shortage is a is a nationwide problem across all industries. How does that impact retirees in terms of long-term or, or in-home care? Well, it's had a devastating effect. If you think about, you know, we have this worker shortage, um, large in part as a result of COVID. And one of the biggest industries that we heard during COVID was the significant problem in long-term care facilities and, uh, you know, home care type practices, et cetera. So, uh, you know, less than 5% of long-term care facilities are fully staffed. Really think about that. Less than 5%. So 95% of facilities are understaffed. That's, that's, that's a crazy statistic. I can't think of another industry that's, that, that's been that affected by COVID. 50% of nursing facilities or long-term care facilities are limiting the admissions of people into the facility. So what does this mean? Well, we have also baby boomers rolling up. So we were talking about housing starts uh, before, and we were saying, you know, the big problem with housing starts is we don't have enough homes. Well, the same is true for long-term care facilities, not just in the aspect of uh, workers, but in the amount of long-term care facilities that we have for the upcoming baby boomer uh, generation, which we know statistically that one in two or one in three of us is all going to end up in a long-term care facility at some point for some period of time. So if your plan is that I'm going to spend all my money, and then when I'm broke, I'm going to let Medicaid pick up the tab because that's what most people's plan is for long-term care. Um, And if you don't know, long-term care is funded in two ways. You either pay for it out of your own pocket, or when you go broke, Medicaid, not Medicare, Medicare is for retirees, Medicaid is for those who do not have the funds to pay for uh, health insurance and long-term care, Medicaid picks up the tab. But it has to be a Medicaid facility, meaning that that facility has to accept Medicaid payment. Now, I would be willing to bet or forecast that as we look at the governmental programs that are struggling financially, namely Social Security and all the entitlement programs, Medicare and Medicaid are more underfunded than Social Security. Say that again. Medicare and Medicaid are more unfunded than Social Security. So we hear all the time about how Social Security is going to run out of money. Medicaid and Medicare are even worse. So now you have this perfect confluence or perfect storm uh, of events. You have not enough facilities, not enough workers, and Medicaid running out of money. So faced with this challenge, and we also have an influx of more people hitting that age over the next 20 years than we've ever had. So knowing all of those things, my suggestion would be make sure you have a plan in place to handle long-term care at not just a Medicaid facility, but also a private pay facility, at least for some period of time. Now, that can be financially overwhelming without proper planning. 
but make sure that you have taken the steps necessary to at least look and understand the challenge that the challenges that you might be faced with down the line because you want to have options the last thing you want to have at that point is unfortunately you know my spouse has to go to a long-term care facility there are only x amount around my home only x amount of those are medicaid facilities and they're all full or i can't even get in make sure you have the financial resources or a plan in place to be able to circumvent that problem whether it's home care private care or something or being able to afford at least a a stint to get over the hump of being able to get into a Medicaid facility by going to a private facility first. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Peck. To schedule your own planning session to learn new strategies to manage risk, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. So we're talking about long-term care. It can be a financial burden. Let's look at some possible financial perks of growing older. Let's let's focus on the positive. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, one, you get really wise, right? You, you, you know a lot of stuff. Um, but I think you're probably talking about the financial perks of growing older. You know, there's a tremendous amount of senior discounts. I mean, here in town, you know, you have silver sneakers where you can go to a lot of gyms for a very low cost uh, or fitness centers or even free. You know, if you go to Ohio State, one of the biggest universities in the country and, and right here in our, our home city, You can take a lot of classes completely for free. Now, do they count towards credit? Are you going to get your PhD for free? No. But can you go keep your mind sharp, learn lots of cool things uh, essentially for free? Yes. Are there other discounts? Oh, there's a tremendous amount of them. I mean, you know, travel deals or um, getting, you know, discounts on on rental cars and all sorts of stuff. You just got to start to dig. Um, You can get into national parks less expensive, I believe. Uh, The other one is there's, there's some tax deductions. You know, you have the, the Homestead Act, which is applies to your real estate taxes where you get a, a break there. But you also actually get a bigger standard deduction than younger taxpayers. So if you're over the age of 65, you actually get a bigger standard deduction. And that's the deduction that you get to write off without itemizing on your taxes. Just the put my income in one column and subtract out this standard deduction. It's actually bigger for seniors. So you get a, a, a bigger deduction. Um, as you get older, and we're not going all the way to 65, but over the age of 50, and you're trying to catch up for retirement, you can put more into a 401k, you can put more into IRAs, so you have catch-up contributions that allow you to either uh, save more for retirement in Roth IRAs, Roth 401ks, or get a bigger tax deduction because of the higher contribution, probably in your highest earning years. So typically when people get you know, 50, 55, those are their highest earning years. You may want to kick the can on taxes a little bit by doing a little bit larger pre-tax contribution to your 401k, and you can absolutely do that. I would say one of the huge benefits today is we were just, we talked about long-term care and we talked about social security kind of as it relates to Medicaid and long-term care. And social security is definitely poised for some changes. We don't know what they're going to look like, but if history repeats itself, the people who are very close to or already in retirement are probably going to be, for the most part, unaffected as it relates to Social Security payments. So one of the huge benefits of being older today is you're probably going to get the same payments via the same promise that you were told when you were younger. Unfortunately for people who are maybe in that 50 and under category, it looks like there's probably some changes on the horizon. Uh, we don't know exactly what those will look like, but they're probably going to be a combination of a lot of a lot of changes. You know, the other is, you know, there's a lot of senior services. So 
you know, Delaware County, Franklin County has a lot of services for seniors, whether that's getting your taxes done for free or going to, to, to dinners or getting transportation, if that's something that you're not able to do. There's a tremendous amount of options out there. You just have to go looking for them. So there are benefits to being older, both in the way of getting stuff less expensively, uh, getting a break on your taxes, being able to contribute more, or um, being able to have uh, you know almost like networking events that are set up at low to no cost. With Medicare, d- does it matter how much you make? Or how much you have saved or anything like that? Or is it just right across the board, everyone is eligible for Medicare? No, it absolutely matters. Well, one, let me, you said, is everybody across the board eligible for Medicare? And the answer is yes. But is it, does it cost the same for everybody? And the answer is no. There's actually five or six tiers to the cost of Medicare. The first tier is just shy of 150 bucks a month. And for the most part, if you want to think of a, you know, a married couple both making eighty-five to ninety thousand dollars a year, or let's say around one hundred and eighty combined, and I'm rounding here, but around one hundred and eighty thousand of income and under, you're paying each about that hundred and fifty dollars per month. It's a little less than that. But as you make more and more money, that premium payment can go all the way up to just shy of five hundred dollars per month per person. Now, for the most part, not too many people are going to exceed that. You know, four to five hundred thousand dollar income mark that's going to get them in that category. But one mistake that I do see quite commonly, Diane, is if you file separately, so you go see your CPA and he says, you know, you guys made a 170 grand, which is underneath the limit that I just said. But you know what we should do? We should put, uh, you know, $95,000 in your husband's name and then the remainder in your name. If you go over, if you file separately and you go over half of the total limit, you immediately go from the bottom to the top bracket. So you might have filed separately because it saved you $400 in annual taxes, but it might be costing you an extra 300 bucks a month in Medicare taxes or Medicare premium payments, excuse me. So be very cautious when you file separately. And, you know, this is, again, Diane, just like everything else, something we talk about in our meetings, something we plan for, so there's never surprises. But uh, Medicare is, is available for everybody, but certainly doesn't cost the same for everybody. And what about having extra insurance? Do you suggest that people do that extra health insurance and i sorry i can't think of the name of it yeah yeah they used to be called medigap plans now they're called medicare supplements or medicare advantage essentially medicare you know there's part a which everybody gets which is your hospitalization part b is your uh, doctor's visits and then part d is your prescription drug all of those have gaps in them meaning you know we'll pay for services after you pay the first hundred bucks or we'll pay the first hundred bucks and then you pay the rest And you can get these supplement policies or Medicare Advantage that covers those gaps, essentially. And you can fill those gaps as much or as little as you like. But for the most part, I recommend everybody gets a supplement to some degree, particularly when you're retired. You want to manage those uh, health insurance costs on a fixed basis as much as you possibly can. Now, the good news is if you get that Cadillac-level plan that pays for the lion's share of everything, you can really hone in your health insurance costs to a very fixed amount because Medicare plus your supplement for the most part will cover everything with a very low deductible. And by low deductible, I mean, you know, down in the couple to few hundred dollar annual deductible level. So if you've heard horror stories about Medicare being awful, well, maybe there was a time where compared to private policies, it was, but times have changed and Medicare with a supplement looks awful darn good today. So what is the most someone who had, is very comfortable and has a lot of savings, how much could they look at spending per month just on health care? 
you know, for the most part, people that come to my office, regardless of the amount of savings they have, it's based upon the amount of income they live off of. And most people are qualifying in that lower range, that $150 per month. Then by the time you add in your prescription drug and your supplement, most people are spending about another 150 bucks a month. So on average, I tell people, if you're budgeting for 300 bucks a month in retirement, that's probably a reasonable assumption. Of course, based upon your health scenario and how many prescriptions you take and you know, et cetera, et cetera. It could be more expensive than that. But for the most part, it's about $300 a month in Ohio. Now, the national average for how much a retiree pays for all-in health insurance with deductibles, et cetera, is about $5,700 a year. So if that gives you a reasonable range, I think that's fair. Uh, $300 a month here, a little bit more if you have more health concerns or you plan on living somewhere else where the costs of uh, Medicare supplements are more and the cost of health care is more. Josh's number is 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300. More with Josh Pick when we come back. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Josh, how does Social Security's shortfall or looming shortfall, what, we're, what we've been hearing about for years now, how does that affect retirement plans right now? Well, the good news is, and we just mentioned this, for most people who are already retired, it probably doesn't mean that much. I mean, there's some concerns over whether or not uh, Social Security is going to keep up with inflation. There are. Um, are there concerns that Social Security is going to change? There are, but I don't believe it's going to be dramatic for the people who are already collecting. I think it would be political suicide to change somebody once they're already collecting. But there are some very significant concerns for people who are younger. And then the obvious question is, what is younger? I would say for people who are in that 15 under category, I would anticipate on some significant changes to Social Security. And, and what would those changes be? Well, one, full retirement age change. So right now, everybody's full retirement is 67 years of age or under, meaning when you get your Social Security statement and it says, if you wait until your full retirement, then this is your dollar amount. It's that number that's on the front page of your statement. That is 67 or less for everybody today. I would very much expect that for somebody who's 40, 45 years old, your full retirement age is very possibly going to be 70 or maybe even longer. So does that have an impact on retirement plans? Of course it does. We know that about one-third of everyone's income in retirement comes from Social Security. I would actually argue that uh, many of the people I see, Social Security is a much more significant portion than even one-third. So when we're talking about kicking the can on that one-third or more by three or four or five years, that's a significant concern. The other one would be, as you're planning in your working years today, 
there is some concern as to whether or not they're going to take the earnings cap off. And what that means is if you're making, let's say you're one of the privileged people who makes three, four, five hundred thousand dollars $500,000 a year, uh, right now you quit paying into Social Security, meaning paying the premium or the tax into Social Security once you exceed about $130,000, $140,000 worth of income. And that amount, by the way, is about 6%, and your employer has to match it. Well, if they take that cap off, which is a constant debate and struggle, then you would be taxed theoretically if you're an employee by an additional 6% in taxes all the way up. Or if you're self-employed, the full 12% all the way up. Now, you could also argue that if they're taking if they're taking that cap off and employers have to pay the additional 6%, that could have an effect on wage increases down the line. So the moral of the story there is even while you're working and you're not even working about worrying about collecting Social Security, it could have an impact on your life today. The other one that is a big concern is will Social Security continue to keep up with inflation? And we don't know the answer to that question. But if you're looking at Social Security and you're thinking, this is going to be a big piece of my puzzle. I'm 45 years old. I know that I'm going to get two or $3,000 a month, and my spouse's as well. We can count on that. I highly recommend that you do some stress testing of that when you're planning. And by stress testing, I mean, what if they kick the can and now Social Security isn't available to you until you're 70? What if it doesn't keep up with inflation? What if there's some version of means testing? This is a big concern as well. Means testing simply uh, describes the concept of reducing someone's social security based upon their level of means. Meaning, uh, you have $5 million in your retirement accounts. You don't need social security because social security is for people who don't have $5 million in their retirement accounts. Now, we can debate the level of fairness with that all we want, but at the end of the day, it has been brought up and proposed in Congress as one of the options that they can address. Now, if that's the case, how do we position the way that we save our assets and look at retirement to hopefully circumvent as much as possible? So you asked me the question of, you know, how will it affect retirement plans now and looking into the future? Um, if you're under the age of 50, you better be doing some serious stress testing. You better be trying to forecast what the changes can be. You better lower the amount that you think it's going to keep up with inflation and potentially even lower the amount that you're going to get even if you have to wait to the later ages. It's a concerning puzzle, uh, one that I think is going to need to be solved, one that I don't think is going to be solved until somewhere around 2030 or later because it's not slated to run out of money until after 2030, somewhere between 2030 and 2034. Um, that's when we'll know the answers, but it's something that you should at least be planning and forecasting today. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, you talked about Social Security keeping pace with inflation thanks to annual adjustments. What are some other ways to combat inflation? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't want to say one of the the obvious ways to combat the dreaded inflation world is, is work longer. Um, and unfortunately, yeah, I we believe don't wanna, that, we cert- don't hear that. <laughs> yeah, certain people are, unfortunately, if inflation uh, keeps up at the pace that it's at today, which I don't know that it will, but if it keeps up at the pace that it's going currently, uh, that's going to be an unfortunate reality for some, or at least some version of work. But the better answer is investing properly. You need to invest in asset classes and investments that will hedge against inflation to the best of your ability. You need to have patience, you need to have discipline, and you need to be consistent. But investing properly will be very, very critical. 
over the next 10 to 20 years. Of course, it's always critical. You know, if you're listening and saying, well, of course, investing property is critical. You should always do that. You're right. But over the last 20, 30 years, inflation has been a non-issue. Inflation has been very, very, very low. Matter of fact, if you look over the last 25 years, shy of this year, inflation has been far less than 3%, about 2.4, 2.5%. Now, obviously, 2.4, 2.5% is, is a rate, and that means that things are going up over time. But that's a very nominal rate of inflation. And during that same period of time, if you were to just invest your money in CDs or bonds, you would have overcome the inflation rate very, very easily. Unfortunately, moving forward, that correlation is not going to be the case. Uh, I don't suggest that we're going to get back to the crazy 80s where we have, you know, interest rates of 18, 20 percent. But even raising that to five, six, seven percent as an inflation rate when interest rates are not at that level is a challenging prospect for people. So make sure you invest properly, not just with um, time tested strategies, which are important, but with time-tested strategies that are reflective of environments that we would be heading into. So what worked over the last 20 years may not work over the next 20 years for people in retirement, but there are periods of time we can look at and say what worked during those periods of time of rising inflation and rising interest rates. You know, I guess at the end of the day, the biggest thing to combat or be prepared for inflation is plan. You need to stress test your plan you need to make sure you know you're doing the things today so that you're able to do the things that you want to do tomorrow. You know, we all know that how we choose to live our life today will dictate how we get to live our life tomorrow. We can't get time back. So taking care of your health, taking care of your money, taking care of all of those things and being disciplined about them is incredibly important. But that all starts with establishing a plan. If not, you're just throwing mud on the wall and hoping that you're sticking to the right place on the wall. How do you know that you're combating inflation if you don't even know how much money you're going to need when you retire? How do you know you're investing properly if you don't even know what risk really is? Um, and I'm seeing people getting out of whack in the investing properly category. Um, you know, there's a lot of people investing in cryptocurrency, and I'm not bashing cryptocurrency at all. But I'd be willing to bet that if you ask somebody why they're, inv why they're investing in cryptocurrency, they would give you some sound bites. Like, well, it's a digital online currency that's a hedge against inflation, and it's not regulated by government. And, uh, you know, the Fed's monetary policy cannot affect it and blah, blah, blah. Uh, okay, well, why does it go up and why does it go down? Well, it's supply and demand. Okay, uh, fair enough. If it goes down by 50%, are you going to hold on? People don't hold on when things go down dramatically, when they have no idea what makes them go up and down. They panic. So until you've received an education lesson and all of these types of things, and until you've planned properly, you're gambling. And gambling certainly is not going to be a hedge against inflation. I promise you. So the important part is make sure you plan, have a target, be disciplined, keep on firing at that target, and understand the whys and the hows to get there. And that's where we come in. Happy to help. Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, there are a lot of cryptocurrency companies out of there. Is there like a mutual fund that includes them all? Um, I don't know if they have a mutual fund that includes all of them because there's so many of them popping up every day. But I will tell you that uh, uh, part of one of our portfolios is actually invested in some cryptocurrency. The allocation is very nominal, meaning that we have about a 2% stake in various cryptocurrencies. 
Um, that particular fund is a gigantic fund, well into the billions. Um, but if we look at even the portfolio, that's one portfolio with a 2% exposure. That's not the only portfolio that we invest our clients' money in. So uh, there is exposure that you can get through mutual funds or through private placements or through a whole host of different investment options that will buy you a diversified approach to cryptocurrency, but more importantly, buy you a manager that knows what they're doing in relation to cryptocurrency. And that's the big that's the big piece right there. And also limiting your fees as it relates to buying and selling of cryptocurrency. If you're on some of these big trading platforms, the fees alone to get in and out of them is very significant if you're only talking about investing 500 or $1,000. You need to figure out a way to circumvent that as much as possible or you're digging into your gains dramatically. Thanks for the info on cryptocurrency because there's so much information out there that it's getting confusing and you hear people that you know that are trading big in it and it's almost like MLM where everybody's pushing it. So thanks. That kind of keeps everything in focus. Let's talk about the Aptus Blueprint process and what people go through when they make an appointment with you. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a four-step process of education really at its core. Um, so in meeting number one, we, we simply call it the discovery meeting. We're going to find out about you, what you want to accomplish, what your goals, aspirations, dreams, even the crazy ones are, and what you've been doing currently to try and achieve those goals. And then in meeting number two, we call it the analysis meeting. We're going to analyze everything that you're currently doing. So are you in cryptocurrency and what to what exposure? Um, but also learn a little bit about what is your knowledge base and then expanding upon that, meaning what does risk mean? We hear all the time, I don't want to be too risky. What does risk mean? And what is a reasonable level of risk that coincides with my appetite for volatility? And what impact will that have on my retirement? This is all part of the analysis. Basically figuring out, uh, are you invested where you think you are? Are you invested where you should be? And will the arrow hit the target if you continue to do what you're doing? And then what are some things that could get in the way? What are the speed bumps on the road? Meeting number three, the blueprint meeting we address all of those potential speed bumps. How can we improve upon the situation? How can we make your plan as bulletproof as possible? And then not until meeting number four, do we decide, is this a mutually beneficial relationship? Should we move forward? And that's kind of the paperwork part of the process. Can't guarantee uh, that we'll be a perfect fit for everyone, but what I can guarantee is through the process, you will learn a lot about uh, how your money grows, the risks that you're taking, tax implications, uh, how the money passes to your kids or your beneficiaries, et cetera, et cetera. You will definitely feel more comfortable in your retirement planning process than when you came in. Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. You can join Josh as he talks retirement with Bruce Hooley every Monday at 1230 p.m. right here on 98.9 The Answer. You can always find the recording at Aptus Wealth. Thanks, everyone. That is another show for us. You can join us again next week. Same time, same place. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint radio show with host Josh Pick. Josh helps guide his clients through retirement by managing risk instead of chasing returns. He calls it a blueprint, and you can get started at no cost or obligation. Give the team at Aptus Wealth a call today to schedule your consultation at 614-364-7300. That's 614 614- 364-7300 or online at aptuswealth.com. That's A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. To learn strategies to manage risk in the new economy, join us again next weekend right here at 98.9 The Answer.
Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.